I'd like to invite you to, to open up your copy of God's Word and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 8 this morning and continue down through verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. You know, we, we know something about from the very beginning of 1 Peter, something about uh, the audience that Peter's writing to, their, their location. They were scattered throughout what is northern Turkey today. Uh, it was called Asia Minor in that day. And we also can see, as you read all the way through 1 Peter, uh, it, it becomes clear that they have communicated with Peter. And they, they have obviously been crying out for help. Uh, they as a people, they're, they're clearly suffering. Uh, that's addressed all the way through the letter. They're suffering. And I think also they are confused. They seem to be asking or have asked Peter how they should live in the context in which they are, where they're surrounded by evil, which they're surrounded by those who have a complete disregard for God. Uh, and they have certainly experienced this through uh, a corrupt government, uh, an ungodly government. They've also certainly experienced this through the neighbors that they're surrounded by. They were suffering persecution, that's clear. But not only that, but we've got to imagine that they also longed for purity. They longed for justice. They longed for godliness, to, to, to live in a place in which uh, they were able to live out their faith, uh, this worldview that they have, have come to. And so the concern that must have reached Peter's ears was this. It was, how do we, as believers now, believers in Christ, how do we live in the midst of an evil generation, an evil world. How do we respond day to day in our living? Do you ever want to ask questions along those lines when you recognize the world in which we live today? You know, if you think about, and, and sometimes I think that we're a little bit like a frog in a, a pot, you know, where the temperature's turned up slowly, and we don't really recognize what's going on. But if you think about the media that we're faced with every day, and you, you can think about it in terms of the big media or uh, uh, online social media and on and on, uh, where there seems to be a real disregard for truth at a minimum. What about when you look at the state of our schools today? Uh, the, the things that are taught, the worldview that's taught, especially universities where God has been removed uh, almost completely. Uh, we could also talk about the state of our judicial system, even much of the church today. Uh, as we look around us, we've got people who are in official capacities, uh, who are militant about this gender issue, gender fluidity. Uh, and, and I could just go on and on. So do you ever have that question? As believers in Christ, how are we to live 
in the world that we're surrounded by? How are we to respond day after day? Now, Peter, in the section that we've been going through, he doesn't give all the answers uh, to this question. We've got to realize that up front. But he has been giving us general principles. He, he's been telling us, as those who know Christ, how to rightly respond to the hostility of an unbelieving society and world. And over the past few weeks, uh, as we've looked at what he's said, he said, as believers, you're now free, and this has been at the heart of it, really, you're now free to, to live in willing submission to Christ as you live as citizens, as you live as uh, servants or employees, uh, those kind of relations, husbands and wives. And so today, in today's passage, Peter's going to back up from those spe- addressing those specific situations, and he's going to answer this question in a more general principle as he summarizes what we've seen so far. And as he does so, as I mentioned earlier, he's drawing upon Psalm 34, and you'll see that uh, more than half of the the text in this passage is drawn out of a few verses in Psalm 34. Uh, So have that in mind as I read these words. And and notice right at the beginning, he is summarizing uh, for uh, this audience of people who have been struggling with these questions. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 8. Peter says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to, you, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the blessings that you give as we look at our lives in in Christ, as we look at all that we have. uh, Lord, we thank you that there is tremendous blessing that's given to us here in this life and the life to come and the hope that we have uh, uh, that lies ahead, all of that. Uh, We thank you. And we recognize that out of that, that you have called us to serve you. Thank you that you have provided for that. We do pray this morning that you'll help us to understand these things. There are real difficulties, real challenges that we face with our own hearts, with our own sin, uh, that can stand in the way of a true understanding, a right understanding of this passage. I pray that you will remove those, that you will give us eyes to see and the ability to take this and apply it to ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like for us to uh, to go back just a bit and and to look at the place in 
Peter's letter that precedes the, the section that we've been looking at, this current section over the past few weeks that it all fits together. Uh, because Peter's been calling for us to do some difficult things. In particular, one difficult thing, especially he's been calling us to submit to authority, the authorities over us, even in the place, in, when we're faced with injustice. And that's not easy. Uh, and uh, therefore, I'd like for us to, to go back and be reminded where Peter's coming from with all of this. How could he call us uh, to, to live in such a way? Look with me back at chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says, But you are, and he's saying presently, he's saying you have become a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his, for God's own possession. And then notice that he says that, or so that, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's talking about deliverance there. Uh, so that you may proclaim that which you yourself have received. He's really saying, you have received, in in those first few words in verse 9, you have received tremendous blessings. Blessings that surpass measure, that go beyond measure. Then he says, so that you may bless others. Now, he's going to go on to say, verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's bringing home again and again the blessings that we have. Have you ever noticed how in God's word, how often he uses contrast in this way to spur us onward to, to, to service? Uh, he contrasts who we were before in all of our blindness, in all of our bondage, with who we are now. He says in this case, you were scattered. You were not even a, a people. You were on your own. You, you were without true freedom. You were without mercy. You were without hope. But now, all of that has changed. And you are a people gathered together, looking to me. You are God's people and you have received mercy. You are those who are blessed of God. Uh, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 comes to, not, to, to mind. For you know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for, for welfare and not for evil. Uh, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, good plans. You are blessed of the Lord. Another uh, passage that comes to mind, there are a couple of different places we could go to to read this. Uh, I'm going to go to Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul says, and this will be familiar also in Ephesians 2, and you who were dead, uh, no spiritual life whatsoever, were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He, what he means by that, you, you weren't a part of the community. You, you didn't know God at all. You couldn't know God. But then he says, God made alive together with him. Now this is where you are. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us 
of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This is all that he has done. He, he's given you forgiveness in that, that huge debt that you had against you. The weight that was on your shoulders has been canceled. It's been removed. It's been taken away so that now you're able to be together with with the Lord. And, and how did he do this? This he, Christ, set aside, nailing it to the cross. Big contrast. Why is it that we hear that so often in Scripture? Yeah, even in the Old Testament, what does he say again and again, speaking to the, the people of old? Uh, he says, you were slaves in Egypt uh, under the thumb of your master's but the Lord your God has redeemed you. He bought you for a price. Uh, he has given you freedom. He has rescued you. Why do we hear that again and again? You know, it's, it's because we're prone to forget. It's because as we live our lives with the difficulties, the challenges that we face with the world and its messages constantly pulling at us, we're prone to forget and therefore not to live out of that. If we are those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus, we've had, had our hearts changed by him, you'd think, well, no, we couldn't ever forget. No, we are prone to forget. Our, our, our sin nature remains. Uh, our eyes are cover, covered over by our sin, and, and we have, we're dull in our eyesight and in our hearing. Uh, we're prone to forget, and so we need this reminder Again and again. We need to see this contrast. This is what has happened to you. And so this is where Peter's mind was as he began to exhort the people in how to live as believers with this new worldview in the face of suffering, in the face of present evil. Uh, and so he, he begins when he's going to speak to them about these difficult things and say, this is how you must live. And it's not natural out of our our sin nature but this is how you must live now so he begins with this is who you are now and this is what has happened to you now and we need to see that as we look at at today's passage at this this summary uh, that Peter gives us uh, but now he's not just speaking to the citizen or the the slaves the employee the the wife the husband now he's speaking to all Christians. If you look at chapter 3, verse 8, he begins, finally, kind of summary statement, finally, all of you. This applies to, to every believer. And then he, he's going to look down at verse 9, where he says, he said, finally, all of you do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. This is something we've heard again and again in this passage. Uh, and so he, he's bringing this home in his summary. Uh, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. The sense here is, first of all, as he said before, you've received blessing. You've received tremendous blessing, but it's there for a reason. So that you may now bless others. And I want to make that point. I want to drive this home to us because we're prone to forget that part of it. Uh, there's a reason 
that he has called us to himself, that he has given us this blessing so that we may bless others. And then he says, and as you do, you will be blessed. You will continue to obtain a blessing in this life. And so these go hand in hand. When we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive blessing beyond measure. Uh, and in fact, I, I think we all need to know of passages that we can go to where if someone asks you, uh, what types of blessings are there? What, what does it really mean? What do you receive when you're, you know the Lord Jesus? Uh, one of those passages, just turn there briefly, uh, is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, this is uh, one of those passages that should be in our mind and, and heart when it comes to thinking about these blessings, because this is what uh, all of this is based on. This is who you are. This is the blessing you've received. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. That, that's what this whole chapter, in fact, it goes beyond this chapter. Really, the whole book, in a sense, is about all these spiritual blessings. Then he goes on here to enumerate those. Look at verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. First blessing. You've been chosen. Uh, you've been selected before the foundation of the world to have his name and his love set upon you, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In verse 5, in love, he predestined us, chose us beforehand for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption, we've been adopted into the family. It means we are recipients of, of all the rights and the privileges of those who are sons and daughters of of God. He's placed his name upon us. We could go on and on just with that statement alone. But look down at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, through Christ's blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. This is, we've been bought at a price. Uh, we, we've been freed from the yoke that was on us before, now we are able to be in Christ, we are able to know him. And, and he continues on, look at verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. He's speaking about salvation, eternal life. And so he's, he's enumerating one after the other all of these blessings that we have. But that's not the end of it. Through the blessings that we've been given, we've been enabled to live differently. We've been given the Holy Spirit that we might live in a different way and that we might be a blessing to others. And that's really the nature of the covenant relationship that we have with the Lord. And that's Peter's uh, exhortation to us. You have received a blessing, so bless others, for to this you've been called and Peter is telling us here, with, on the basis of this general principle, he, he's telling us how to live when we're surrounded by evil uh, and insult. And that's, that's really the context for this passage. So first, he calls us to do that by exhibiting in our lives certain characteristics, certain behaviors. He's going to speak about those. And those, when we're living in that way, 
they enable us to live in such a way that secondly, we're able to return blessing in response to evil. And that, that is the one that is truly, we'll see, supernatural. That's what we're called to. Uh, in response to evil, to bless. So we'll talk about those two. First of all, we're called to exhibit certain characteristics in our lives. And he speaks of five characteristics that bring blessing into the lives of others. And, and I want to point out that these five, as we go through them, that they are relational characteristics. They're not something that we uh, alone in our own uh, habitation, that we just exhibit on our own. They are meant to be shown and lived out in relation to others within the church. And so as we go through these, I'd, I'd like for you just to think about each one of them in terms of what does this look like when you've got a, a body, a church, real people who are living together in this way, exhibiting these. And I'll tell you just a, a couple of things to look for up front. That it, it causes us to be a place in which we are a refuge and we are a support uh, for other believers and it helps us collectively to be able to live in a right way in the world around us, the world in which we live, a world which stands against the Lord, we know, which stands against, therefore, his people, ultimately. So look with me at verse 8 again. He says, finally, all of you, there are five items, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, you could use the word compassion there, many translations do, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Now, a couple of these are uh, terms that are applied to family. One of those, naturally so, brotherly love. Brotherly love. Uh, the, the word that's used here for brotherly love is not just talking about uh, uh, people who are close companions with one another, who may have similar interests, uh, and therefore they spend time together. That's not this at all. But this is actually brotherly love. This is a relational bond that it, it only comes to those who are subject to the new birth, who have been changed inside. Now, these may be people who are polar opposites in many senses, they may be polar opposites when it comes to educational background. Uh, polar opposites when it comes to their place in society. Maybe the interests that they have. But they are each together children of their Heavenly Father. So they have this bond, this built-in bond as brother and sister in Christ. You may remember uh, the little book Philemon. It's the book that uh, comes right after the T books, you know, First and Second Timothy, First and Second. I'm sorry, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. Real short book. You may remember what Paul said to Philemon. Uh, he was a master, and he had a slave, and his slave had escaped from him, and he had gone to Peter. To I'm sorry, to Paul. He had gone to Paul. Paul was in prison at the time. Uh, and in his time with Paul, he had become a believer in Christ. 
Uh, and so here's what, uh, as, as Paul is writing to Philemon, here's what he says as he's going to send Onis, Onism, Onis, Onisimus, which is the, the, the slave's name, is he's sending him uh, back to, to Paul. And he says this, he says, he is no longer merely a slave, but he's now a beloved brother. The relationship was, you know, this. It was that of master and slave, no matter how Philemon had treated him. But now, he says, he is a beloved brother. He's together with you. He's a brother in Christ. And that's how radical this, uh, this brotherly love is. It's for those who are one in Christ, and they are enabled to be brothers and sisters together and that's what Paul, uh, Peter here is calling for us to exhibit in our lives amongst one another. Another characteristic is uh, the one compassion in this translation. It says, have a tender heart. Think about a mother's compassion upon her uh, hurting child. We actually see this so clearly through the Lord Jesus. We see it again and again. As you go through the gospel accounts, uh, Jesus had this word. He had compassion on the crowds. Jesus had compassion on the sick. Think about the father in the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. Uh, it was compassion it says that caused the father to throw off all restraint and to do something that, that a father would never do in that society and let his robe fly behind him as he, he zeroed in and as he rushed down and embraced his son and kissed him. It was compassion. It was also compassion that caused the Samaritan in the parable of the Good Samaritan to care for that wounded, outcast man in a way that was completely foreign to the priest and the Levite in that story. You and I are called to have that compassion, to be tender-hearted toward one another. Uh, he instructs us to have sympathy. Sympathy, it, it's talking about living in an understanding way. If you were here last week, uh, we talked about husbands and wives, and Peter told husbands... Uh, to have understanding, to understand your wives, to know their needs and their cares, to know what's going on with them. This is, it's talking about this type of, uh, the, the same type of thing. It's a different relationship, so not in the same way, but we are to have this with one another, uh, sympathy. Uh, we're called to not be like Job's friends after the first week. Uh, we're called to, to weep with those who weep, uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Think about the image, the biblical image of the human body. Uh, when one member of the body, as we can see this in 1 Corinthians 12, one member of the body uh, is hurting. Let's say I've smashed my thumb with a hammer. Uh, then the other members of the body care and, and are taking care uh, for that member. Uh, this, this is how we are to be 
with one another. It requires knowing each other. It requires being with each other. And I do want to say here, this is going to be different in different cultural contexts. It's not saying that we have to be in a commune together, anything uh, like that. Yet there is an element of spending time together, of taking the opportunities we have to be together with one another. Maybe it's over a meal. Uh, Maybe it's in a Bible study or praying together one-on-one. And of course, we know that there are some who really struggle with this particular area. And so what do we do? Well, we're called to have understanding with one another. We bear with one another. Uh, That's what having sympathy, understanding is all about. This is not to be, in fact, all of these are not to be a weight that's put upon us that you must live in this way now. No, this is a way of living on the basis of the blessing that we've received in Christ. Uh, Peter begins in these five items with unity of mind. Unity of mind. It doesn't mean that we uh, just gather together and we like the same things, but it literally means of the same mind. So we are those who are waiting together. We're setting our hope upon the Lord Jesus, upon His return uh, together. We're helping one another to do that. We're of the same mind when it comes to worship with one another, when it comes to rejoicing in Him, when it comes to serving Him. And again, this is something that's the result of the new birth. We've been changed. We had the Holy Spirit who has been given to us that uh, is operating inside of us. In fact, Right at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul has talked all about the work of the Spirit, he says these words, the last words of the chapter, he says, we have the mind of Christ. He's speaking about that which the Holy Spirit brings to us. Uh, it's, It's the type of thing that enables us, I don't know if you've done this before, but to go to a church that's in another country, maybe a church, a Bible believing church that's on the other side of the world. Uh, And they worship differently than we do. They have different cultural ways of understanding, approaching things. But we can see right like that, that we are of the same mind and heart. We're looking in the same place. We're brothers and sisters together in Christ. That's unity of mind. There's one more characteristic that Peter calls for us to have. This is a characteristic that's basic to the Christian life. It is humility. Uh, It's it's looking not to exalt self, but to exalt others, to uphold others. And we see this most clearly, as we can see the other characteristics as well, by the way. But, but this one, of course, as we, uh, look at, uh, as we look at Christ's example uh, in Philippians chapter 2, especially, that's one place where we turn. Listen to this. Uh, he speaks about uh, Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, there's the word, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All that he had, all his glory, he sets aside, he emptied himself for us. 
in our stead. Peter is telling us to be humble, to be like Christ, which means seeking out that place, no matter how lowly it might be, that allows us to serve one another. Think about John chapter 13, Jesus serving on his kneel on his kneeling on his his knees serving his disciples as he washes their feet what does this require it requires admitting to our pride that we are a prideful people admitting to it wherever it is and seeking for the lord to deal with that pride as we seek to truly serve one another i will say this characteristic is hated throughout most of the world today just as it was, by the way, in, in Peter's day uh, as well. But it is this that opens the way for true and for godly service to one another. You know, as we look at these five characteristics, don't forget that the believer has been enabled now to live in this way. It's not that you need to, to, to grab out there somewhere a self-help book and to... to practice these things to learn certain techniques along the way. No, if you are in Christ, then you have the ability to live in this way, to exhibit these in your life. You can think of it, you think about the comparison with the animal kingdom. And think about there are certain uh, caterpillars that have the ability, they've been enabled to turn into a butterfly. We call it metamorphosis. Uh, it's not something that they need to work up within themselves, but it's part of their nature. Uh, it's who they are. And for those who are in Christ, we have a new heart. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been changed, and we are enabled supernaturally to live in this way. Now, think about the caterpillar. I think if caterpillars were given volition. They, were, they had the ability to sin. I think they would do things that would mess up that metamorphosis in the same way that we have the ability ourselves uh, to, to allow sin to stand in the way. That's why we need this exhortation to live in this way, to live out who we are. But I, I want to make that point that this is who we are today. And so we're called to look to Christ and to follow him that we might have uh, as we walk through those unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart or compassion, a humble mind. I think you can probably see why I said earlier that if we're living in this way within the church, the church does become a refuge and a support to each of us. Uh, and, and it enables us in a greater way to live in the world in which we find uh, difficulty, persecution, those who stand against us. Um, we've been blessed in order that we might be a blessing to others. These five characteristics enable us to live in that way and to live in such a way that we return blessing for evil. Uh, this is really 
at the heart of this passage here. It's, it's at the heart of the passage we've been looking at up to this point. I, I think, and, and others, as I've read commenta- uh, commentators, they agree with this or, or they say the same thing, that this is probably at the very heart of the reason that Paul wrote, uh, I'm sorry, that Peter wrote this letter. Uh, because the people needed this. And he said, this is how you are to live. And this is the greatest example of living in a different way from the rest of the world. It's the greatest uh, way to, to speak Christ into people's lives, is to live in this way because it's so radically different from the way our sin nature is, from the way the rest of the world uh, is. The principle itself is stated in verse 9. It's what we've already seen. And then, the, the, then Peter's going to support it by quoting out of Psalm 34, as I mentioned before, a psalm that he's come to know and to, to love and to apply to his letter. So here's the principle that we're called to follow. He says, you're called to this. Verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling But on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. Be a blessing so that you may obtain, continue is the sense, so that you may continue to obtain a blessing. Now in saying this, we know that that Peter is giving the same teaching here that we hear from the Lord Jesus. Now the temptation for us, I'll be honest, is to brush this off. It's to minimize this. It's to say somehow, yes, but that doesn't really apply in this situation. That doesn't really apply to me. But remember, Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And that's what Peter is drawing upon here. Uh, Christians are called not to retaliate in response to injustice, in response to persecution, but on the contrary, to bless. I think it's really important here to understand what Jesus means when he says, love your enemies. Uh, Because we've got a misguided concept of what uh, love really means today. He's not speaking here about having an emotional attachment. Love your enemies in that uh, emotional way. But he's, he's speaking about acting rightly, about doing good toward the person. You can see down in what, what Peter quotes in Psalm 34. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And it's simply this. It's not responding in kind. It's not responding to insults with insults. It's not responding to evil intent or to slandering with your own evil intent. But it's calling us to break that cycle of evil. Now that would be hard enough. If this just said, just just don't do it. That would be difficult enough, but there's something radical that's here. We're called to respond to evil and to insult with blessing. I trust you can see this is not easy, number one. Number two, to really do this in the way that we're called to requires supernatural fruit. 
that only comes from the Holy Spirit working self-control within us. This means, I know what the temptation is, right? To clench your teeth and to say, yes, outwardly I'm going to respond in this way and respond in a way that looks good. But inwardly I'm standing up against that person, that group. That's not what he's calling for us here. Uh, This requires us to be in such dependence upon Christ that we have this inner attitude that allows us to sincerely pray for those who stand against us, for our enemies. To sincerely pray for their well-being. That's, That's why... Peter quotes from Psalm 34 here, I think, because of the context, Psalm 34 doesn't allow just an outward response. But he's pointing that we must gently turn away from evil and do good. We must genuinely seek peace and pursue it. And that requires us to be in Christ and dependent upon Christ. You know, an illustration here that I think is very helpful because it it provides some teeth to this as uh, one that I have, have come across. Now, there was a Christian soldier uh, who was living in barracks with his unit. Uh, and every night uh, he would open his Bible and he'd read and he would spend some time in prayer. But there was uh, another soldier across the aisle from him that when he would do this and at other times would hurl insults at him uh, and slander him. And it reached the point to, to uh, one evening when that soldier across the aisle, uh, when, the, when the man was there reading his Bible, he was praying, he threw his combat boots at him. They were covered in mud, and the mud splattered all over. But the man didn't retaliate. But when they awoke the next morning... That soldier who had been hostile to him found at the base of his bed his boots. They had been cleaned, they had been spit-shined, and they were ready for inspection. Those of us who have been in the military and been faced with that know something about uh, what goes into that. But it was as a result of this man's inner strength, his ability to return blessing for insult, that a number of the men in his unit came to him over time, spoke with him, were willing to hear from him, and came to faith in Christ themselves. You know, it's difficult enough to hold back uh, from engaging in the evil that we find against ourselves. That's, That's hard enough to hold back But it seems almost superhuman to take this step and to return blessing for insult. And immediately, and I know what happens in our society, in our world, in our minds. Our minds say, no, that's not right. But this is what we've been called to. Look back at chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered For you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit found in his mouth. 
When he was reviled or insulted, he didn't insult in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Isn't that a great phrase there? He trusted himself to his father. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Think about that all the way through. What he did for you, for me, to open the way that we might live differently. We've been blessed, tremendously blessed. If we have come to faith in Christ, uh, we could enumerate all the blessings. We, we did a little bit of that this morning. And yet out of that, it's, it's going somewhere. It's taking us somewhere. It's for a purpose that we might bless in return. Return blessing for insult. It's not easy always, but in Christ, it becomes the way for more and more blessing, not just our blessing, but the blessing of others. Uh, we're called first to live as Christians with one another. We were given these five characteristics this morning. Uh, and then secondly, we're called to this, to live completely differently than the rest of the world. A hard calling, yes, but a definite calling that we can't just avoid, ignore. A calling that is ours in Christ and that as we do it, we will receive greater and greater blessing in our relationship with the Lord and in the blessing that comes to others. Let me say a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you this morning for the gift that we've been given in the Lord Jesus. Uh, we thank you that we are able to be partakers in that and that all of these things are true. All the things that we've talked about are true, that the blessings that we receive and the supernatural change that takes place within us and the gifts that we're given by way of the Holy Spirit, uh, the hope that we have set uh, ahead of us, all of this is true. And thank you that you have ordained it in such a way that you use us the, the, as a means to bless others, the very ones who are unable to do anything on our own, but have found all of our blessing in Christ. You use us to be that vehicle to bless others. Help us, Lord, uh, in our own lives, in our own situations, circumstances, in our own difficulties, our own sin. Help us again and again, Lord, to look back to see this, to see the great contrast that has happened uh, in our lives. And therefore, help us to walk in these ways with that underlying joy that comes from knowing Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.